0: Since the day she gave me that coveted final rose, my wife, Trista Sutter, has made me a better person. If she can get me to know better, to do better, and to just all around be better, then I'm sure she can do it for you too. You're listening to Better Etc with my wife and your host, Trista Sutter.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Trista, and you're listening to episode 19 of the Better Etc podcast. So for today's Trista's Takes, which Is a new little section I'm going to be including in every episode at the beginning. I'll be talking about me, what's going on in my life, what's going on in Bachelor Nation, which I talked about last week, maybe just something happy and um, uplifting that I've read about or seen that I want to share. And so for today, I was actually inspired by my friend Janet Jones, who was on last week, and she's going to have me on to celebrate women I'm one of the women that she chose to celebrate and do I guess their Instagram lives. I haven't done it yet but I'm just getting kind of getting into it so I don't know exactly what it will be or when it will be I will keep you posted but she sent all of these questions okay so there's 40 questions and it really gets deep into who you are and what makes you tick, what you love, what you don't like, all those things. And so I thought, you know what, I really haven't reintroduced myself to everyone out there, even on Instagram in a really long time. And I know that's kind of a thing on Instagram to reintroduce yourself to new followers. I feel like people who follow me, you probably watched me back in the day on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or Dancing with the Stars or whatever. So I figured, why not reintroduce myself and kind of let you in on who I am and what makes me tick. My name is Trista Nicole Sutter. It used to be Trista Nicole Wren. I'm 48 years old. I'll be 49 in October. Oh my gosh. Uh, I have two beautiful children, Max and Blakesley. Max's name is Maxwell Alston. His middle name was named for Ryan's dad. That's Ryan's dad's middle name. And then Blakesley Grace. She was named for my side of the family. My mom's maiden name was Blakesley. So that honors her and. And her family and my grandparents, Ryan really wanted the middle name Grace. So, you know, I always wanted to use the middle name Rose because my mom's name is Roseanne and my grandmother's name is Rosemary. So I wanted to use that name, but we couldn't figure out a name that we wanted that would go with Rose. So we did Blake'sley Grace, and I just love it. I know a lot of people actually criticized. I I don't know how you can criticize a child's name, but a lot of people criticized her, her name, when she was born, saying she's never going to be able to say it. And you know what? If you're out there and you're listening and you are having trouble with a name or you're worried that people are going to make fun of it or whatever, Don't worry about it. Just name what you believe your baby is supposed to be called, you know? (laughs) I am glad that we went along with Blakeslee and didn't listen to the haters. Never listen to haters, right? I am a Scorpio. I was born in October, and I'm an Enneagram 2, which is the helper. And you'll learn all about this next week when I have Ian Morgan Cron on who wrote— The book, The Road Back to You, he's an Enneagram expert, and it's so much fun to me. I'm really, really interested in it. But you guys should tune in next week if you want to know about the Enneagram. I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, so that makes me an official Hoosier. I lived there until I was four years old. We moved to St. Louis, Missouri, where I was raised. I went to elementary school there. I went to high school there, and then I went to college. I did my undergraduate studies at Indiana University in exercise science, which actually I talk a little bit about on this episode. And then I went on to University of Miami to study physical therapy. I got a master's degree there and went on to be a pediatric physical therapist for four years. My parents are both one of four children. My father lost his sister when he was young in a horrible, horrible, horrible accident involving I believe a tractor. He still has two brothers who are alive, and my mom has three sisters. So but I was an only child. (laughs) My parents actually lost two babies that would have been my brothers, but I grew up as an only child. I do have a stepsister now. My parents were divorced when I was in fifth grade. And I have a stepsister out of that marriage, and then I have a half-sister, which actually you can read all about that story in my book, Happily Ever After, The Life-Changing Power of a Grateful Heart. I share lots of stories about my life, about my friends' lives, about strangers' lives that inspired me, and you can check it out in there. It's, of course, available everywhere, but that's a book, gosh, I can't even remember how long it's been, four or five years that I wrote that book maybe even six i don't know but it's still out there of course when i grew up so my mom as my parents were divorced my mom was working i lived with her and i saw my dad on the weekends and i had a neighbor family and <laughs> they call me nister for neighbor sister and so they had two girls and a boy one girl was older than me one girl was younger than me and the and the brother was younger so shout out to my my neighbor family on Canyon View Court is where we lived. I loved our little cul-de-sac and that nickname is one of my many nicknames. I also have been called TTT by my family, Trisket. Let's see. Of course, the OG fairy godmother. <laughs> um I gosh, what who, what else have I been called? Oh, Ryan used to call me Angel actually. And my friend, Evan, she calls me Willard because one day, I don't know if I was texting her or she was texting me, but the autocorrect called me Willard. And so she was like, Willard, where'd that come from? And so to this day, she still calls me Willard. My favorite color, as most of you probably can guess, is pink, but it's light pink, not hot pink light pink. <laughs> and the whole ombre situation at my wedding was Mindy Wise Genius, Love Mindy. but yeah, my favorite color is pink. My favorite book is The Nightingale by Kristen Hannah. It got me back into reading. I love it. Uh, and it's all about his its historical fiction during World War II. It is an amazing book and yes, I I owe so much thanks to Kristen Hannah for writing it because she got me back into reading. I used to read a lot when I was little, but stopped for a really long time, especially when the kids were little. My favorite store is Target, but I also love Zara. And then my favorite luxury store is Louis Vuitton. I love Louis. My favorite song is Something About Her. And if you don't know that story, Ryan wrote me a poem on our first one-on-one date called Something About Her. And for our wedding, he had it made into a song And then Brad Paisley recorded it. It's actually still on iTunes if you want to listen to it. Something about her. And we danced to it at our reception. Brad Paisley surprised us. It was like my favorite, favorite memory. Maybe ever, but definitely from our wedding. Lots of the things that I love to do are laugh. I love surprises. I love playing games. I love playing video games, especially the old school ones like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and Frogger. Oh, my gosh could do that all day long. Um, I love white cars. I love camping, but it has to be glamping like we usually are camping in an Airstream. And I love to sleep. I could have slept until like two, three o'clock in the afternoon when I was a teenager. And I can't do it as much these days because I just can't get comfortable in my old body. But yes, I love to sleep. I live in a ski town, but I don't ski. I can ski, but I really don't anymore. I don't even get a ski pass. That's just something that the kids and Ryan do. My pet peeves are drivers who drive in the left-hand lane on the highway. It is so annoying. So if anyone comes to Colorado, know that it's actually a law. Drive in the right lane normally, and then if you have to pass, go in the left lane. Please, please, please. Um, Another pet peeve is when my kids are disrespectful and they don't listen. Oh my gosh, drives me crazy. Stepping in a little spot of pee that my 16-year-old Yorkie has left on the ground because he can't control his bladder. (laughs) That is a pet peeve, especially right when I wake up in the morning. Um, My quirks are I read magazines backwards. Yes, I know. Weird. And I like chocolate chipless chocolate chip cookies. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Because sugar cookies are made with regular white sugar. Chocolate chip cookies are made with brown sugar. So if you take out the chocolate chips, and I do like chocolate chips, but just a teeny bit, but they're brown sugar cookies, essentially. And my friend Kelly, love you, Kelly. I know you're listening on your walk. (laughs) One of my best friends, and she makes me the best chocolate chipless chocolate chip cookies amazing. Uh, I am allergic to horses and cats and lots of stuff outside and actually wool. So if there's anything that I'm wearing that has wool in it, I can't wear it. It is so uncomfortable. My hobbies are I love to travel. I love taking pictures. Always have, not just because they're on the phones. We actually, Ryan and I used to take selfies before selfies were a thing. I love to read. I actually got back into reading through that, that book, The Nightingale, but because I was having trouble sleeping, I, I was like, I need to put my phone down. Ryan had read this article on Blue Light. I need to put my phone down, not look at any screens and read. And gosh, I've been on a roll. I love reading. I love to hike. Let's see. My bad habits. I'm really impatient. That's one thing I would change about myself. And I especially, this has come back during COVID, but I bite my nails. I chew on my cuticles and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. That is definitely one thing that I would change about myself too. So two things, uh, something you would be shocked to know about me is I don't really drink caffeine. So I don't drink coffee, even though we are part owners or Ryan is part owner in bearded man coffee, which everyone raves about. If, if they've tried, you should go check it out. Just beardedmancoffee.com. I don't drink coffee. I really don't drink caffeine except every now and then I'll have a chai. I am shocked that I wrote a book and I did a TED Talk, and a lot of people are shocked that I won. The, I was on the first season of Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> there were only six of us, and I know it was a really long time ago, but yep, I was on Dancing with the Stars, and I lost the competition to a boxer. I mean, come on. I was a dancer, and I lost the competition to a boxer, or at least he went farther than me. My happiest moments in, in life have been finally telling Ryan I was in love on The Bachelorette, finding out that I was pregnant. I remember my husband was actually climbing a mountain in Argentina, Aconcagua. The day that he left, you know, he left me with a little gift. (laughs) He was gone for, I think, a week or two. And when he came back, I, you know, I I got the news right before he came back. And I couldn't tell him on a satellite phone because I was so scared that I was going to lose the call. So I didn't tell him over the phone. I surprised him at the airport. And it was just my happiest moment was finding out because we have tried, we had tried for a really, really long time and had some had some problems. I'll talk about that in a future episode. But another happy moment was being cheek to cheek with my daughter. She had the softest skin. Oh. And then renewing our vows with our kids being part of that. Um, and really, any trip that I've gone on, I've been to over, I believe, twenty countries. I'm dying to go to Australia um, someday. I will, but for now. You know, just stay and stay and put um, last thing. how How do I want to be remembered as a grateful, fun, loving, compassionate, thoughtful woman who was a loving daughter and mother, a thoughtful friend and a loyal wife? And I know I don't always live up to that every single day. I definitely struggle with impatience and getting frustrated and feeling overwhelmed. But hopefully when I'm gone, that's how people will remember me. So that's who I am. I hope that you're still listening. (laughs) Anyway, today's episode is with Andrea Montoya, and we talk all about emotional eating. I do want to give everyone out there a trigger warning that if you are struggling or have struggled with an eating disorder, especially with bulimia, or if you have struggled with alcohol or drug dependency or addiction, that this may be triggering for you. So please be mindful of that. So today we get into breaking down emotional eating into the intentions, why we do it, what we can do to stop it, uh, what does restriction cause, what we don't learn in school, we talked about, which Andrea is very passionate about. She talks about her darkest moment and what led her into nutrition and counseling or coaching. And I share personal stories about my emotional eating struggles and my relationship with food. So also something really cool is she's giving 25% off for any of her classes. So and you'll have to listen until the end on how you can take advantage of that. I hope you'll continue to listen. It really is a powerful episode because I think so many of us out there participate in emotional eating and and could improve our relationships with food. So please head to wherever you're listening to your podcast. Please subscribe and give us a five stars and a review of what you, maybe an episode that you've loved or a takeaway that you are still using to this day. So thanks so much for listening. Here we go. Okay, everybody. Today, I have Andrea Montoya, who lives in Miami, my old neck of the woods. She is a nutritionist with a master's in holistic nutrition. She's a certified food and body coach, She worked side-by-side with Tony Robbins' trainer, Billy Beck III. She is a self-described ex-binge eater, an ex-fitness competitor, and the founder of Ditch the Scale Academy. She's also a wife and a brand-new mommy. And as she states on her website, our new best friend. So welcome, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much for having me.
1: I'm really excited to chat today because... I am definitely needing some help when it comes to eating. So quarantine hits and and actually right before quarantine hit, I broke my ankle. Okay. And that meant that I was relatively sedentary, especially because our gyms were closed and, and I couldn't go work out. It was... Still winter, and I live in Colorado, so going out and walking when I'm on crutches or, you know, on one of those little wheelie things was not really an option. So I became a lot more sanitary than I than I am normally. And I just kind of, I just got back to the gym and I'm trying to make it a priority. I have a background in fitness and exercise and physiology and, you know, all of that. And so I realized. I know what it takes to be kind of in shape, if you will. And I know what it takes to be healthy. Like everything you put in you is what you become, right? You know, what I was eating is what I was becoming. And I was eating lots of cookies. And not to say like, I know that you're, everyone will learn that your platform is, I believe, not to necessarily cut all that stuff out. Like restricted eating is no, no bueno, you know? Exactly. But I was I was definitely not binge eating, I don't think, because it wasn't like I was sitting down in one sitting. I wasn't eating a ton. It was just that I was not as mindful, if you will, about mm-hmm. what I was eating and thinking about the nutrition value and what it was giving to me to give myself the energy that I needed instead of just giving me the like stress relief or to suppress my emotions, like about the fear and the anxiety about everything that was going on. So that's kind of my background recently and why I'm really excited to talk to you, because one of your areas of expertise, if you will, is emotional eating, right?
0: Yeah, 100 percent. Everything pretty much emotional. And it is... I love that you just shared all of that because it's so true. And so many people can relate to that. And so many people went through that with quarantine, with the pandemic, with everything. It's just, again, they were like stuck in our houses yeah, and they really, they didn't know what to do. They were, there's so much chaos externally. So you feel chaotic internally. You don't know, you know, you're like, I don't know what to do. There's so much uncertainty, mm-hmm. so much going on in the world that you're like, ah, I'm just going to turn to food. Yeah. Right. That's the easiest thing to do. I'm bored. Uh, it's stressful. And so food is a lot of people's best friend It ends up being in times like this. So I love that you shared that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, that is definitely me. So I, and I love having people on this podcast selfishly who can help me through things. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, you're welcome. so, So on your site, you say you've spent- over 10 years and over $100,000. I'm sure that's a little bit of an estimate, but around there over $100,000 on doctors and coaches and courses and certifications and seminars trying to get to the bottom of your unhealthy, I guess, relationship with food and your body. Can you share with us that journey?
0: Yes, of course. So yeah, so when I was in high school and college, I went a lot through through a lot of binge eating, a lot of emotional eating, to the point where it became bulimia at mm-hmm. one point. Um, so different eating disorders, it got really, really bad. It came to a point where um, you know I was three years into my biomedical engineering degree, and I was, wow. I was about to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to graduate the following year, and I was like, I'm miserable. Mm. First, then this is literally this is causing more of my overeating because I don't, you know, I don't like what I'm doing. I'm stressed out. So it's like, I'm going to switch into nutrition. My mom almost killed me because she was like, we almost got done with your school and you want to start over. So we went, I went back and I started all over again with nutrition and I became a nutritionist because I really wanted to heal what was going on with myself. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to help women because I had gone through so much that I'm like, I, I can't imagine And other people going through the same thing. It's the the food, the body image stuff, the 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 concern around food. It just takes up so much mental space. Mm -hmm. It really is something that um, I wouldn't really wish on anyone. So I was like, I really want to do this for myself, for other people. And so I became a nutritionist. I became a personal trainer. I became a health coach. And I spent all this money, like doing all these different things. And I still, I was a health coach and I was a personal trainer and I was a nutritionist giving people meal plans and I was sitting there overeating at night, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and binging on things. And I was like, I literally know, just like you said, I know exactly what workouts to do. I know exactly what to eat. I give people meal plans. I give myself meal plans. Why am I following through with them? Why can't I control myself around food? And so again, it wasn't until after that, I started going diving deeper. Um, I, I started with Tony Robbins. I got introduced to Tony Robbins. I started doing a personal development and it's really, I get to work with them. I still work with, it's been like, I don't know, seven or eight years that I've been working with Tony Robbins and his personal trainer. And we do all of, they have a, um, a special group of platinum partners. And so we do all of the health and the Mm. the exercise and the nutrition for, for Tony's plots, which is really awesome. But I started there, I started kind of doing personal development with Tony. And then I, I started realizing it was all so emotional eating is just that I used to blame food. I used to blame all those things. And I'm like, it's my emotions. Why, why didn't I go inside all along? Right. So once I started going internally, doing the personal development, taking a look at like self-love how to actually process emotions and heal those things mm-hmm. how to you know the psychology behind it why do we do what we do what we do why don't we do the things that we know we should be doing why do we self sabotage once I started going deeper into that, it healed everything for me. And then I was able to, to help so many more women, so many more clients. And so, but yeah, I went through, like you said, it was years and years of trial and error, years and years of webinars, seminars, coaches. I ended up becoming a self, self-love self coach, food and body image coach with, with all of that. And so, so yeah. So now I, I run my women through an academy and I do all of those things. And this is literally, it's passion. This is, I love it so much.
1: Oh, I love that you found your passion. I mean, that's what life is all about, right? I read that there's nearly 30 million people in the world who have eating disorders, which is astonishing to me. Yeah. So, you know, you told us about your journey, getting to the place now where you are Mm -hmm. truly happy and you're doing what you are passionate about. But can you take us through if there was a specific moment or moments where you were kind of at rock bottom, where you knew you needed to do something better for yourself. You're, you yeah. you deserved to change, or you needed to change. Yeah, yeah. So
0: when I was in college, it was my, my eating disorders were 100% at their worst. Mm-hmm. I was feeling so alone, missing family, stress from school, stress, financial stress, all these different things were just causing me to really, really turn to food a lot. And I, I remember one of the worst times where I really said like, okay, this is a problem and mm-hmm. I have to stop was I, I would always, so right under my dorm room, there was this, or really close to it, there was a Walmart that I could always walk to. And so I would literally walk to the Walmart and buy junk food, go up to my apartment, eat it all. Sometimes it wouldn't even make to my, make it all the way to my apartment. Like I would just eat everything. Right. And then I would is somehow, and this is the other kind of misconception with bulimia is that it's not always purging Uh or throwing up. There's it can it can also be through a lot of people do like laxatives right if you're not too proud of what you ate the night before or just going to the gym for really long periods of time because you were because you overate so all those things are just not a really healthy relationship with food right, right. and so that any and all of those things would happen for me mm-hmm. right and so i would overeat and that and then i would I would go back to the Walmart for like a second time that day. And I was so ashamed of the cashiers mm. seeing me buy the things that I literally started stealing food.
1: And oh, it, my
0: gosh. it became like literally a drug addict, Yeah, just kind of needing that the sugar needing the food, needing the, and I, and that's when it hit me. I was like, I've never stolen in my life. I feel like a drug addict and food is my drug, right? So that was literally that was that was my lowest point. And at that point I had to, I called my mom and I let her know what was going on. Mm. And I remember like I remember when I told her and I told my family, and it was just it was such an aha moment for me where I was like, I okay, I need to get better because I started realizing not only how much it was affecting me, but also how much it was affecting everyone around me, right? Like we can beat ourselves up sometimes all day long. But as soon as I saw my mom and how much it affected my mom, how I was doing and yeah, that really, really hurt me to the point where I was like, okay, I need to come back home. I need to go into, if I need to go into rehab, if I need to go, I need to figure something out. So, so that's what I did. I went back home and that's where my whole kind of journey started and healing and getting better. And really at, at that point, I never thought that this, where I am now and the things that I'm doing, I never thought it was possible. Like I was always like, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is, I can't see myself out of this hole. Right. And there's people that might not be where I was, but a lot of times we're just like, this is just who I am. Like I just diet and I yo-yo back and forth. And this is just what I do. Right. But that it is it's just for the people listening, I just want them to know that it is so, 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 so possible to to get better and to heal and to transform. It's it's incredibly possible. So, yeah. Oh,
1: for sure. No matter how old you are. I mean, you have the opportunity to do that, especially with the help of people like you. So yeah, I agree. Exactly. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And now back to the show. Can you tell us what exactly is emotional eating? What it is? Who does it? What are the signs for people to look out for in terms of maybe knowing whether they're emotional eaters? Because you might not know. I mean, like you said, it's just part of who you are. And so you're just going about being you. So can you go over what exactly emotional eating is?
0: Yeah. I love that you asked that. And that I, that actually almost takes us back a little bit to what you mentioned on all the number of people that have eating disorders. I truly believe that you, even though that number is insane, I think it's so many more because so many are not diagnosed or that you don't know, you right? Are you're so just like, right.
1: you're so right. This
0: is for most people. It's like, this is normal. This is what I grew up seeing my whole life. And it's just almost generational, right? Yeah. Like we just turn to food for different things. And So, um, emotional eating in itself, I would say the easiest way to know, are you emotionally eating or are you not maybe taking a second before you, you turn to food before you eat and just seeing the intention behind why you're turning to that, right? Like, are you actually hungry? Is it fuel? Is it, and even if it's pleasure, that's fine. We get to eat for pleasure. Food is one of the pleasures in life. And that's amazing. And that's, I'm not one of these people that's like, never eat the Oreo again, right? (laughs) At all, at all. I don't believe in that at all, but it is a okay, we can go for that Oreo and we can really enjoy it and get some pleasure out of it. And you know, or is it to the point where now you're eating the whole box in order to numb, right? So what's the intention behind why you're turning to the food? Mm-hmm. And most of the time it's like, it's not the food that we need because yeah. most of the time we're not turning to the food because we're hungry it's usually something, it's usually that feeling of comfort. It's usually that feeling of safety. So really stopping and asking yourself, what do I, what do I actually need? Okay. What's my intention for grabbing this? Oh man, I'm just, I just have some anxiety. I don't know what to do with it. I need to calm it down. Oh, you know, I feel it. It's not the food. I'm not hungry. Yeah. What do I actually need in this moment? Okay. I actually need to take a deep breath. I actually, you know, I actually need to slow down and giving your, giving yourself, giving your system what you actually need instead of instead of turning to the food, right? For real,
1: yeah. Are there signs for people to recognize, you know, you said, ask yourself, what is the intention behind me going to the refrigerator? If you're not going to the refrigerator because you're hungry (laughs) and because you need to, like before I go work out, maybe an hour or two before, I wanna make sure I have enough fuel in my system So I'll eat a, you know, an energy bar or whatever to give myself enough energy to be able to do the workout. But if I'm not doing that and I'm just going to the refrigerator because I'm bored or because I'm upset or whatever, are there signs besides just the question that you can ask yourself that people can look out for? So the biggest thing would be the question. And then just
0: boredom is still an emotion, Mm -hmm. right? The, all of those things are still emotional, but I would say, you know, different signs might be a lot of people tend to come home after work Mm. and then they find themselves really overeating at night. That's one of the biggest ones that I get is people that are like, I can't control. I'm like binging at night. I don't know why I can't stop. Like, Oh, during the day I do my diet perfectly. And then at night I fall off. Right. Yeah. Yes. You, you spend all day at work, stressed out doing stuff for other people. Then Mm -hmm. you spend all then you come home and you're like taking care of the kids, taking care of the husband, taking care of the house. And you're like, ah, and there's so much, right. And you're never taking time for yourself. And oftentimes what we want at the end of the day is to experience some pleasure for us. Yes. Right. And so we turn to food, looking for a little pleasure, looking to unwind, right. That like, I'm going to have a glass of wine at the end of the day. It's an unwinding. Mm
1: -hmm. It's
0: a little pleasure for me because I've been doing people pleasing all day long, doing stuff for other people all day long. And so we turn to food because of that, but oftentimes we're doing it like in front of a TV. Yes. And so we we're not actually extracting what we are wanting from it. Yeah. We're not extracting the pleasure because we're not even there most of the time. Like I'll talk to women and I'll be like, "Oh, you know what? What triggered you to overeat?" They're like, "I have no. I ate, and who was that? Like I wasn't there, right?" right? When we're fully present and in the moment of what we're doing, it's it's really hard to overeat because you're noticing your body. It's not feeling good. But if you're in your head and you're just watching TV and you're, then it makes it very easy to overeat, to binge, to emotionally eat, right?
1: Bing, 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 me! You're lighting up a light bulb. I'm thinking about like how... We have, like, family movie night every so often, or we go to the movies, which hasn't been in a long time, and you get the popcorn, and I get the milk duds that I put in the popcorn, and you just eat because you're just sitting there watching a movie. But that's totally me. Like, (laughs) if I go to a movie or I'm watching a movie, my daughter used to make what we call diabetes popcorn because she put so (laughs) much sugar on it. And then we'd watch a movie or whatever and just devour it, but for no other reason than it's kind of like part of the pleasure of just sitting down and watching the movie and not thinking about the fact that we're eating something that is probably not the best thing for us, right? Yeah, which
0: honestly is totally fine. My thing is, if it's adding to the experience of life... Yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Go for it. You know, like if it's like, it's at, we're sharing a popcorn and it's cool. Beautiful. Yeah. But if there's guilt and shame after that, and there's like, Oh man, like I shouldn't have done that. And now I'm gaining weight and now I'm not as healthy and I don't feel good in my body. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, then that's where we get to explore a little bit deeper of what's going on. And maybe that's a habit that we get to kind of shift, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I, I like to go. I like to go way deeper into the root cause of what's going on, mm-hmm. rather than habit change. Yeah, I mean, habit change tends to be very like superficial. I like to get to the really the root cause.
1: Well, yeah, no, I I love this direction because I think that's especially why I wanted to have you on is to get to that part of why do we do it. So, what are those reasons that we emotionally eat the pleasure part of it? We discussed and. And that's okay. Like you said, I have always been a huge believer in everything in moderation. So, mm-hmm. so have the Oreo, don't have the whole sleeve, don't have the whole container, but have an Oreo. Like if that's what you're craving, then have the Oreo. But if you find that you are going to the refrigerator to eat something because you're bored or because you're stressed or because you just had a breakup and you want to be like everyone in the movies who grabs the, the thing of ice cream is just, you know, <laughs> devouring yeah. the ice cream. If you're doing that emotional eating and you know it, can you tell us why do we do that? Yes.
0: So there's a few reasons. It could be something as like you mentioned, maybe some there could be some food scarcity there, mm. meaning the more that we restrict the more we overconsume, oh. and it is 100% like that. Studies, everything, prove that restriction causes overconsumption. Mm. Period. Mm. It's better to never diet a day in your life than to start the diets and then you go off, and then right just that, that like thought of, oh, the Oreo is bad, or this is the good, the bad, the I shouldn't be touching this. It's like a kid you tell them, don't touch this, you want it more, right? right. True. It's like it puts this, I just keep using Oreos as an example, but I don't know why (laughs) that (laughs) is. But it puts this Oreo on a pedestal. Yeah. Right? Maybe someone experienced some real food scarcity when they were little or they're currently experiencing it. They can't afford the food. And so it's this like last meal syndrome. I have to have it all right now. All or nothing. Yes. Right. I already messed up my diet. Let me just finish it and just eat everything. And I'll start again on Monday.
1: Right. Uh-huh. So I do that so many times. Oh my god. <laughs> and I don't really even diet. I definitely yeah. have that, that dialogue going on in my head. Oh, well, I already, I already ate the Oreos, so it doesn't matter if I have one more. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like that all or nothing mindset that can stem from,
0: Food scarcity, so a lot of lack mentality around food can mm-hmm. cause us to be like, oh my God, I, I want it, you know? Or a lot of that all or nothing mindset also comes from perfectionism, mm. which I can take that all the way back. I do a lot of inner child work with clients, which we can take all the way back to the fact that like maybe when we were little, we received love by, it was a lot of achievement-based love, right? Mm. If I succeed, then I'll be loved. If I'm not worthy, unless I'm achieving, I'm not worthy unless I'm doing and, you know, I'm not enough. And so a lot of women pick that up And, and so now we're, we're hustling for our worth, right? We're trying to prove our worth and we have this kind of perfectionism, uh, mindset or mentality. And so again, if we're on a diet and we're like, it has to be perfect. I messed up on this up, screw it all or nothing perfectionism. Right. So that can stem from a lot of that too. And then it also stems from the fact that we don't know how to process our emotions. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, we are told don't feel. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Put your big girl panties on and go like, just do the thing and, you know, stop crying. So we pick up at a very young age that we need to just be really strong and not feel and stuff everything down. And so, or that, or we, and we understand that we won't be loved if we cry, if we do anything. Right. Yeah. So the emotions come up, the anxiety comes up, the overwhelm comes up. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to process it. We're just told numb it, numb it, numb it. And so we turn to food for it. Food is just the most socially acceptable, readily available drug on the market, yeah, right? It's just right. like some people turn to alcohol. They don't know how to process their feelings. They don't, they turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs. They turn to social media, sex, food is just the most socially acceptable drug to use, right? Yeah. And, and way to numb. And so A lot of times when I talk to women, they feel that it's like, I don't have enough willpower where it's really so much more about expanding our capacity to feel, Mm. learning how to feel through our emotions, being able to feel in order to heal, Mm. right? So, Mm -hmm. so understanding that our emotions are just data. Your body is communicating to you. You're feeling overwhelmed for a reason. Your body just doesn't speak English. It gives you the information in sensations and emotions yeah. and feelings. So you feel the overwhelm, your body's trying to tell you, hey, slow down. There's too much on your plate. There's that, right? Like there's a reason for it, yet we don't know, we don't know how to communicate. There's no communication with our body anymore. Again, we've been told to shut that communication off.
1: Yeah.
0: Therefore, we just stuff it down, we numb
1: it. Yeah. And so food becomes a way to numb our feelings. Does it all make sense? Totally. 100%. I mean, so many things that you said, I was like, that's me, that's me, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure so many people out there can relate. It is so true. Yeah, Yeah, it makes total sense.
0: So I would say just to kind of wrap it all up as far as kind of what truly causes it at a root cause kind of thing, it all really comes down to the the main reason that we're needing to do this work is because there's this disconnection, Mm. right? Like when we were born, and as kids, most of the time they, they can feel into, they can say, okay, I'm hungry. No, I'm full. Like we know we can connect to our bodies. We can feel hunger, fullness signals, right? Yeah. As we get older, we're told, you know, eat everything that's on your plate. You go completely past your fullness signals. You ignore those completely. And then you're told eat at noon because it's lunchtime, whether you're hungry or not, you're eating at noon. So then you're, you, you know, so there's no connection to our body anymore, to our feelings, to are the signals our body is giving us. And so it really is for me, a lot of the the work that I do is more of an embodiment and just a reconnection to the body, reconnection to like our true selves, understand intuition, all these different things are, are, are what I kind of work through to, to heal a lot of that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Great. Great information. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And now back to the conversation. Oh, and I loved this on your Instagram recently, you posted, and this this feeds into exactly what you were talking about. Your thoughts and feelings are the cause, and the external is the effect. So mm-hmm. there's no other way around it. You have to feel, and actually, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about this. I feel like so many things repeat. So many ideas repeat in the podcast that I have. I did one on grief. And the grief recovery specialist that I had on said that in order to heal, you have to feel exactly what you said. You have to go through it, not around it, not over it, not under it. You have to go through it. So, gosh, I feel like that's something that we all need to do in order to just be healthy, whether it's eating or grief or or whatever we're going through. I feel like yeah. this is a very common element, you know, a very Absolutely. common thing.
0: Yeah, and I will say it's just that what we resist persists, right? And it's like we feel like if I just stuff it down, it just it just won't come up again. Yeah, but it really is something that ends up, you know, you it builds up and it builds up, and then you blow up, and you don't know why you blew up on your husband over a dirty dish, and it turns out it's all this other stuff, right, that you never dealt with. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sure, it is so important.
1: Okay, another quote um, that I saw on your Instagram that really hit me was, we are only as developed as the least developed part of our parents. And I was like, yes. oh my gosh, yes. So that to me, when I think about emotional eating and going to the refrigerator because I'm bored or, or what, for whatever reason, If I put that in my mind as a mom, then I'm like, you can't teach them that just when you're bored, go to the refrigerator and that solves it. So first of all, being that role model for my children to say, when I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. When I'm hungry, I'm going to, because I want to be healthy, I'm going to eat X, Y, Z. Because I want to have enough energy to get through my hockey game, which I don't play. My son does. I need to eat X, Y, Z, you know, instead of the sugars and the things that are going to take us up and crash us right back down. So I think keeping that that in the back of my mind in terms of what I pass on to my kids so that they don't have to deal with it like that right there is the motivation for me to To be better about eating, yes, you know, yes. right?
0: Yes, and that is for me. I will tell you, I always, I I did not want a girl like when I was. I would yeah. always say, I'm going to be a boy mom. I'm going to be a boy mom because <laughs> I was like, do you know how much I dealt with with body image, yeah. with breakups, with this? I'm like, how am I supposed to support another girl through <laughs> this right. stuff, right? And now that I've done this, this work, mm-hmm. and I've become, I've been able to do the emotional work. I've been able to heal so many insecurities, so many body image issues. Now I'm like, I am so excited that I have a girl because as soon as, you know, anything, God forbid she has any of those of these mm. things come up. I get to. I have all the tools and I have everything to to help her through yeah. it. And so that is one hundred percent such a huge motivator for a lot of the of the parents that I work with. And yeah, what I mean by that quote is just that is if we haven't done personal development, if we haven't done any any of those things, most of us are as developed as the least developed part of our parents. And it's not to blame anyone. No, you know they were doing the best they could with what of they course. have, But it's just to understand that yeah, that we get to now, uh, sh- it's, it really is like shifting generational stuff. So many of the women that I work with, they picked up their perfectionism, their people pleasing, their overeating, they did their first diet with their mom when they were 15 because it's, it's generational. Like we pick it. Our grandmas were people pleasers and, and that, you know, it, go, it goes down and down and down. So when we heal and we become better, it stops with us.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right so right. Pretty much one of the themes in all of my podcasts is the benefits of therapy um, and seeing a a counselor or a therapist or a psychologist or, you know, coach or whatever, doing the work on yourself and personal development, as you mentioned. But are there any tools that you can tell us about from your, your toolbox that we can use, especially as parents, I feel like, to not only teach ourselves about how to be better and not to be as emotional about eating or use that as a, as a way to yeah. be better about emotional eating. But is there anything that we can do to help educate our kids that food is, you know, it can be for pleasure, but mostly it's for nutrition and in order to... It's there to give us the energy that we need as human beings to get through our day, to do whatever we are doing actively. What are those tools that we can use? So I will say
0: one of the things that I do with with the boys, yeah. so obviously my little one can't
1: do, no. I can't do so much
0: of it yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> but with my husband's boys is we make sure that we're really like when we have dinner, when we have lunch, even when they're having a snack, the TV's off and we're really like they're very present with it. And so we almost make it like a joke where we're really enjoying and tasting the food. And we talk about like, Ooh, what do you think is in What do you think mommy put in this? And you know, what do you, what does that taste like? And so just getting them really present around like, okay, I'm eating. Yeah. And, Am I full? Am I and so I'll ask them, Oh, are you full yet? Oh, cool. And so before they used to have this thing that they were like, oh, it's a race. Who finishes first? Who finishes first? Right. And I'm like, no, it's not actually. If you finish first, you lose. Like who is enjoying it more? Mm. Who's more present with their food? And just kind of asking those questions. Do you feel more energized after eating that? You know, or are you feeling a little more sluggish and not making it good or bad? Because usually if we're like forcing it, have the vegetable. Then it's like they don't want it, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So Anna, what do you, what do you think would really, okay, you're gonna go play a hockey game. What do you think would serve you right now since we've had these conversations? What really energized you last time? What made you feel really good during the hockey game? I'll be like, oh, you know, this is what I really like, right? So mm-hmm. the more he's getting present around how his body's reacting to the food, just really tasting it, enjoying it, extracting the pleasure from it, but also understanding when his body's full, hungry, that's really important. And so, and I will say that's that's one thing that we do that is huge. Mm-hmm. But even with kids and for ourselves, Mm -hmm. I would say the biggest tool, it's free and so powerful and completely underutilized is the breath. So Mm. again, we can't heal anything that we're not aware of. So all of this work takes so much presence and so much awareness, but most of the time, like I mentioned, we're not, we're not present when we're eating. We're not aware of what's going on. Yeah. And the easiest way to get into our body and get out of our heads. And you know, once we're going crazy is to take a deep breath. Like sometimes I do meditations with the women that I work with. I love meditate. I'm all about meditation, Yeah. but I have them take a deep breath. And they're like, Oh my God, that was, I feel like that's the first breath I've taken all day. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, cause we're so not intentional about that. Right. right. Like we're so in our heads. And and I can, you know, there's certain breath patterns that we do that will 100% get us into anxiety. Like I can tell you to have a panic attack right now and I can just start the breath and I will start feeling that way. Right. The breath is so powerful. So when we actually take a deep breath, we get to reconnect with our bodies and now, cool. Now I'm present. Okay. What is, now we can ask ourselves, why am I turning to this? Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like the breath is giving us this like pause to really reconnect and be like, Hey, okay am I hungry? Am I full? What's the intention behind me grabbing this? So the breath really is the most powerful tool that we can use. And I, I love teaching that to the kids as well, having them feel into, into their bodies. And we do that all the time. Whenever they're like not communicate, they're, they're just like yelling and going crazy. Well, okay, let's take a deep breath and communicate. And so they take a deep breath and they're like, Oh, okay. This is what's, you
1: know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. I say that so many times with my kids. Okay. Let's take a deep breath just calm down, get away from the stress and the crying or the drama or whatever's going on. Let's take a deep breath, regroup, and then we can talk it through. Like it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. You know, it really
0: is. And that's the thing with this work. It's not, it's not all necessarily simple, but it's, it really is. It's like not sexy. I get like most people want like the, the quick fix or mm-hmm. the, this is it's way deeper work, right? It's getting to the root cause of the belief systems that are causing us to act a certain way. Yeah, And in all those different things, like where they're really stemming from and rooted from. And yeah, it's not, it's not like the really quick fix, sexy
1: thing. That's okay. Um, I think, I mean, yeah. yes, I think that a lot of people out there, including myself, would love the quick fixes, especially now that I'm 48 years old. And I mean, after after being relatively sedentary for so long, and then getting back to the gym, it is so much harder as a forty eight year old than it than it was when I was you know twenties, thirties, whatever. So I'm having to work a lot harder to get back to the the place I was in terms of feeling healthy, feeling fit, you know, and and fitness has. Mostly been about, I would say 99% of the time, been about me wanting to be healthy and to stay around for a while for my kids and, you know, be sexy for my husband and that kind of thing. But it's just harder as you get older. So I think if I can stay consistent (laughs) with everything and take all of these little tips and tools, because I know nutrition is so important in terms of. Your level of health and and your level of happiness, truly. So, if we can get to that level of happiness inside of ourselves, then externally, you know, living our life will be happy too, and we'll be able to teach our kids yes. that. So, so I love that you said that. I'll just
0: add real quick that that is literally most of the time we are doing things backwards. Like mm. we don't want the weight loss we don't, what we really want is not the weight loss. It's the feeling that we think that weight loss is going to give us. Right. So we believe that by losing the weight, we're going to feel happier. We're going to be more love, more lovable. We're going to be accepted more. Mm. And so that's all goes back to the fact that we don't love ourselves, right? We don't feel accepted. We're not validating ourselves. And so when we can step into a place, so it's always like we're looking for, we're looking to do the thing in order to feel a feeling. Mm -hmm. But what is what I just said? (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah but like we we are in control of our feelings like you know we we act out I can tell you to get sad right now and you would know exactly what to do how to, what to focus on mm-hmm. how to move your body in order to get yourself to feel sad right like we control our feelings and that's the thing that I think has gotten away from us is we normally are reacting to our thoughts and reacting to our feelings so when we can learn to process our emotions so when we can understand that we are in control of those things now we can step into a place of self-love self-acceptance self. self, And that doesn't mean that we get there and then we gain a whole bunch of weight. No, it's like we get there and from this place. Now I want to eat differently because I want to feel good. Now I want to, because I
1: love myself and I want to take care of myself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now I want to exercise because
0: I love myself not to punish myself, right? Right. The intention behind why we're doing what we're doing completely shifts, Yes. which, which is, it, and now it makes it something that's long-term. And not only do you Get the weight loss, that's like the least of every time. I'm like, okay, that's the least of my problems is the weight. Like, yes. we, once you shift that and you step into a place of self love, you step into a place where you can process your emotions, you step into a place where your emotions aren't making you react, mm-hmm. right now, your relationship with your husband is going to improve tenfold, right? With your kids, with even financially, the decisions you're going to make, you're going to be able to set boundaries. You're going to be able to step into your power to start the business to Cause you are in a completely different place internally. So now externally, everything shifts.
1: I mean, people right there, like, hello, <laughs> that's so great. I mean, you totally just called me out, but in a, in a very kind way. And I, I'm glad that you did, because you're so right. It is backwards. I... I think about that and I'm like, I go to the gym because I want to be more fit. But what I need to be thinking about is that I need to work on the self-love and and giving back to myself. And that's why I'm going to the gym, not because I want to get happier. I need to be happy and then go to the gym because that's what makes me happy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when you're already feeling happy and you're feeling amazing,
0: the actions are going to be, I'm going to go to the gym. I It makes it so easy to do the things that you want to do, right? right? But it's the internal work. the emotional work, the psychological work, the uh, seeing, becoming really an observant of our thoughts, not identifying with them, but Mm -hmm. observing them. Okay. What are the things that I'm thinking? Oh, cool. That's interesting. Is that thought even mine? Is that belief even mine, or That's society. That's my mom. What do I actually, what's the truth? Yeah. You know, what do I actually want to believe? Right. So when you would do the actual emotional and the psychological work, the internal work, and we can achieve that happiness and that self-love now it's, it's a game changer. Game right? changer. Yeah.
1: Oh, so amazing. Okay. So in every podcast, what I do at the end is I usually ask people how they plan to be better tomorrow, but I am, I'm just on the fly right now going to change that. And from now on, I am going to ask a different question and, and it's, it's similar, but what I want to change the question to kind of based on our conversation. And thinking back to all of the podcasts that I've done is I would love to know the top way, the best way that you can advise people to be better tomorrow in terms of, you know, your platform is emotional eating, or at least what we've been talking about. So how can my guests be better tomorrow? What is your top piece of advice that you can give to people in how to be better tomorrow in terms of emotional eating?
0: I think the easiest Answer here is kind of going back to what I mentioned is trying is starting to incorporate breath, is starting to incorporate mm-hmm. presence. Because again, just like I mentioned, we cannot heal what we're not aware of. So again, it's really just reconnecting to your true self, mm-hmm. reconnecting to your body, understanding that your body is not the enemy. Food is not the enemy, right? There is no enemy. It, it, and, and there is nothing wrong with you. There's absolutely nothing to fix. We are all so perfect. We're souls of light, happiness, love. It's just conditioning, Mm -hmm. right? It's just conditioning that we get to kind of just peel, become really aware of what's going on and peel off those layers so that we can become the highest, best versions of ourselves.
1: Beautiful. I love it. Andrea, how can people find you, especially if they want to utilize you as a counselor, but also just if they want to follow you on Instagram or any social?
0: Yeah. So at things andrea says is, uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, things or ditch That's what uh, my Academy is a the, the scale Academy. So either way they can find me and reach out to me. I love answering all the messages and, um, and helping
1: people out. That's so That's yeah. great. And I will, for everyone listening as usual, I will put all of these, uh, links on our show notes. Yeah. And if,
0: if anyone comes my way and they mention that they heard me through here, I will go ahead and give them a 25% discount from some of the courses that I have there. So
1: that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I love this. Yes. I thank you so much for this conversation and your insight and sharing with us your expertise and what, what you've been through being vulnerable with that. And thank you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing and you're for the so chat. Welcome. Awesome. Yes. Thank you for having me. Of course. Go uh, love on that beautiful baby girl and hopefully we'll reconnect somewhere down the road. Yes. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I hope you feel a little better after having listened. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you're enjoying our show, please send it to a friend and put a little better into their lives. Also, if you would like to find me, you can go to Instagram at Trista Sutter or Facebook at Trista Sutter fan page. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.